no matter how uncomfortable you are right now, or how miserable you are in the process of what you're going through right now, or how it feels like hell has descended upon your home and he's taking over, step back from the emotion of it and say, God, what are you saying? Not what do you want, God. Lord, what are you saying? What are you up to? And what's the adventure that we're going on today? Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Awesome. So it's a privilege to be able to speak to you today. Pastor Quinton is with one of our missionaries right now, uh, uh, Brett Hancock and his wife Audrey. Um, so they'll be out of town for a few more days. Um, so anyway, you get me today. God bless America. All right. So uh, that's right. That's what I was expecting. So, <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, wow, that was pretty amazing worship this morning. You guys were uh, very doing a great job. I remember when we started, we rented a place over in... Well, how many of you know where Flatbread Pizza is? That white farmhouse on the side of Flatbread Pizza was, at the time anyway, a conference center. And uh, we started the church in that building. Some of you remember that building. Many of you have no idea who I am, much less that building. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all right. And, uh, but the Sunday that we started, we... We didn't have very many people. We didn't have much stuff. We had a boombox in the corner on a little table about like this, and we just pushed play. And whoever was leading that song, we, we sang with them. And, uh, and then when that one was over, we pushed play, and another one started, and we sang with them. So we actually had some of the, uh, you know, most world-renowned worship leaders leading our worship <laughs> We just couldn't repeat a song if we needed to. That's all. So, yeah, do that last line over again. No, play the whole thing. So. But anyway, it's amazing. I've I've heard from talking with Pastor Quentin that uh, you guys actually have multiple bands that are ready to go. Should we uh, go to different uh, services, multiple services, or whatnot? So that's really amazing, and it may seem like it's certainly developing for you guys that are actually doing that. And that may seem like a a bit of a stretch, but maybe he's speaking by faith. But I believe that when you uh, step out and and go to the next spot or the next uh, level or the next assignment, God always has provision, whether it's worship or whether it's um, people to lead or people to minister to the kids. So it's it's really awesome to be able to just, just kind of be here and watch what God is doing 
through Pastor Quentin and Jen as they submit themselves to him, and then through you guys as uh, you're partnering with them so that this body can become everything that God has destined it to be. Amen. He placed it here for on purpose, for a purpose, and you're helping to um, facilitate the purpose of this body now in this region. I was reminded as I listened to Michael, just uh, Michael's kind of on fire today. And uh, he reminded me of like this, uh, I don't know, I don't even know if they had them, I guess, but like this, I could just see some Israel guy with one of those twisted ram's horns or whatever, just standing at the city gate, blowing that thing as hard as they can and just declaring before the enemy who our God is. And, and uh, that was the image that I got for you today. So hope that works wonders. You know, we're all a voice of the living God in our, in our generation. And many times the enemy wants to stop that voice from being heard. He wants to silence the lambs, if you will. And uh, I want you to know that, you know, God's got something for you to say. He's got a message for you to preach. And you may never stand up and do it this way, but um, everywhere you go, whatever you encounter, whomever you encounter, God's got something um, that is birthed on the inside of you to release to this generation. And so I would be very inclined to pay attention to, Lord, what is it that you would want to say through me? Don't be shy about assuming that he has something for you to say to this generation because that's part of our assignment. We are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors, the word says, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his voice to this generation. And you say, well, I've not been trained in speaking. Well, I I believe we all have been trained in speaking. You know, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you know what to say. Maybe not what you're supposed to say, but you, you have a voice and you know how to communicate your uh, displeasure with that, you know, whatever. You, you get the point. So I believe that if we're asking God for what it is that our contribution would be to our generation, he's going to give us a word to speak. Amen. And uh, so, Father, we just pray this morning over this word that you've um, shared with me to, to release today. I thank you for all that you're doing in this body and the people that are involved. And, and Father, the, the people that are watching what's taking place here, I thank you, Lord, that um, that divine connection is made. I thank you, Lord, that you are, are aware of the drama that's going on in our life. You're aware of the challenges and the things that that need to be overcome. You're, you're aware of the onslaught of the enemy. You're, you're aware of the lies of the enemy. You're, alive, you're, you're aware of our insecurities and our fears and our, our, our unsureties, Lord. And, and I just pray that um, you would just continue your work in us to, to clear the debris from our pathway so that our eyes would be open and our hearts would be released to share um, to this generation Um, what you've birthed on the inside of us. So today, Lord, we open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our ears, and we say, Lord, what is it? What is it, Lord? What do you want from us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So that's the title of today's message. What do you want, God? How many of you have ever 
made that statement. I've said that 10,000 times in like so many different variations that he's probably, you know, he knows all of them. And most of the people around me know all of them too. What do you want, God? God, what do you want? What? Are you serious? I can't even begin to figure out what it is that you want from me right now. Everything that you're saying, everything that's happening doesn't make sense. Or we have that place where everything's going well and we have a little money in the bank and we're not worried about where our next meal is coming from. And, and um, it's like, what, you wanted something, God? Because we can kind of shift away from that intensity of the, the what is it, God? My heart is this morning that we would not shift away from the intensity of what it is that God would want out of our lives or from us. But I do believe that as time goes on, there's a shift in that relationship that changes that question and changes that interaction between us and God. And I want to talk about that today. One of my life scriptures and uh, Vicky's sitting over here and Matt and Stephanie in the back and several of you that have known me from, from before and, and uh, listened to my preaching known that I, know that I default to this scripture over and over again. It's Micah 6.8. It was so bad that when, or it was such that when Vicky went to, uh, you know, overseas somewhere, they hired this guy to carve this thing into a, like a four foot long piece of wood and it's now hanging over the windows in my living, or my kitchen, our kitchen. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There was such a debate over what was expected of them as Israelites, as the nation of Israel. A historical record tells us in, New Testament, in the New Testament, we'll get to that in a little bit, where the Pharisees had come up with 613 laws, somewhere near that, a lot. A lot of rules and regulations and expectations and boundary fence laws, etc., so that they wouldn't do something incorrect or wrong. They had translated it into this practically impossible list. And so the question was always, what is right and what is wrong? And what do you want, God? What do you want from us? What do you expect? I like the way that this, there's three things that are picked out of that 613 list. It meant a lot to me over the years as I've sought to answer that question myself. I say it this way, what does God want from me but to do the right thing, to do it with mercy and walk in humility before him? 
when you begin to live out each one of those items, so many of the things that they were concerned about as far as their rules and regulations begin to fall into place. They just happen. Do the right thing. That's a story in itself, isn't it? That's a journey in itself. What is the right thing? Everybody thinks the right thing is this and that and the other thing. And so we come up with a list of rules for what is the right thing. Right? It's like this whole dilemma. Even we take the three and it becomes this impossible task of finding out what it is is the right thing. And do it with mercy. Really? That's a bit of a challenge too, isn't it? Especially when you're not in a merciful mood that day. Have you ever felt unmerciful? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've definitely been there more often than not. It's easy to be unmerciful. But it's another thing altogether to walk in mercy. I could never have been God. I couldn't do it. It's impossible. It would have been impossible because I couldn't imagine being able to be as merciful to myself as he's been to me. I don't know how he does it. I look at myself and I'm like, that's it. You're out of here. You're, you're done. You are done. You don't have any more lives left. <laughs> and he just keeps saying, I got you. You're going to get through this. One of these days you'll get it right. And I'm going to be right behind you. I'm with you, you know. I'm with you, you know. He's with you, you know. No matter how much of a failure you feel like, or no matter how prideful and arrogant that you become because of your successes, he's with you, you know. He's with you. And he is making something beautiful out of your life. He's the ultimate when it comes to the mercy thing. He's the ultimate at knowing what the right thing is in every situation. And then there's the humility thing. Ever thought about humility and this whole battle and balance that we have about knowing who we are in Christ and operating in our authority and being kings and priests and the watchmen on the wall declaring the glory of God and letting that power of the kingdom of God surge through us and the anointing that comes when we're declaring his word and that power that's God's power and he flows through us in amazing ways when we're, when we're declaring his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But isn't it so easy to let that power and that authority go to our head? And we start to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. 
pretty easy to do. We're human. We're human. And we forget the right thing to do in the middle of those situations. So there's this, this drama that's unfolding with our, our awareness of who God is and operating under his authority and with his power and with his kingdom resident on the inside of us, his life flowing through us so that we operate in a way that's honoring to him and beneficial to the people that are around us. Isn't that God's heart for us to become everything that he's destined us to be and for us to turn around and do our part to empower those that are around us to become everything they've been destined to be. See, it doesn't stop with us. Certainly God is intending to help us to become all that he's destined for. He has a plan for our life. His word says he has a plan for our life. But it doesn't stop with God's plan for our life. It's just the beginning. When we get to the place where we can work in a measure of doing the right thing. When we can operate in a measure of mercy, when we can operate in a measure of humility and we can kind of keep those three precariously balanced in a way that we head in the right direction, God is there to help us to sort out the details, to transfer that to the generation that we're amongst. You have no idea how amazing that it is and, and how fun it is for me to watch Pastor Quentin lead this congregation. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to do. That's, that's God empowering us to do part and then using us to empower another and release whom he's empowered to do the next part. Some of you people that are getting older, don't be afraid of becoming older. You know, the whole myth of retirement is that we get to a certain age and we exit the workforce and we just retire. And that means so many different things to so many different people. But a lot of times it's translated, we're not needed any longer or we're not valuable any longer or our role is insignificant now that is such a lie of the enemy that is such a lie the older that we get the more experience that we've had walking through our journey with the Lord the more that we have to release to this generation these guys these guys are full of full of life and energy and just questions and, and know-it-all and whatever. They need guidance. There's a season where they go through that they don't need our voice. And it's okay that they don't need our voice for a while. Leave them alone. They'll hit the wall. <laughs> My nose would be much longer if I hadn't hit the nose so many times. And so we're empowering 
another generation. So this older generation, don't stop hearing from the Lord. Don't stop hearing the voice of the Lord. You're actually in a place where you have a little more time maybe to to hear, hear more, listen more. And then when he speaks to you, don't second guess his voice. Or don't not, that's, that's horrible grammar. That's like, don't not, what, huh? Where are you going with that one? God bless America. Get out of that hole. <laughs> so you have a voice that needs to be heard regardless of how old that you are. So let me say this, you guys, your younger generation. Um, the Bible says don't let anybody despise your youth. Why is that? If you've given your life to Christ, you have something to say to this generation. I don't know how many times my kids have spoken into my life, my wife and my life, in very powerful ways. And things that I needed to hear so that I could do the right thing. It was a perspective that I had lost because I was getting older. And um, they brought clarity. They brought simplicity to something, some things that I had a tendency to make very complex. And so when God gives you something, it's not always just for your peers. It could be for some of the oldest of us in here. Don't hesitate. Amen. Do the right thing. Do it with mercy and in humility. But don't not say what God's told you to say. <laughs> All right. So, right in the middle, the word in the middle is mercy. There's so much to mercy that is very powerful. It's almost like this sandwich, and right in the middle is mercy. We live in a generation that needs mercy released to it. People need to experience the mercy of God, the kindness and the generosity. One of the things that I began to pray several years ago in my routine of prayer is, Father, I thank you for your kindness and your generosity. Father, I release kindness and generosity over my family. Father, we thank you for the abundance that comes from your kindness. We recognize your kindness and your generosity. And it's just become a, a, a part of the fabric of acknowledging the gift that God is releasing into our, our life and how necessary those two items are to be released to those around me. We need the kindness of God. We need to understand the kindness of God. We get into the rule-oriented mindset and we become religious in nature. And Pastor Quentin's covered a lot of that. But we become rule-oriented and we become fixated on what's right and what's wrong based on a rule that we're to follow. I've never seen a whole lot of life come out of a list of rules to follow. And the further I go the more I'm beginning to understand 
that God's not necessarily a God of rules and regulations. I grew up in rules and regulations. I grew up in the church when it was very rules and regulations oriented down to the length of your dress and your hair and your makeup. And I should be wearing a tie today. (laughs) Because we made up stuff so that we could be holy. We made up stuff so that we could be pleasing to God. The last time I checked when God released us into this earth, we was naked as a jaybird. (laughs) And he was pretty pleased with us. Not that I want you to be naked as a jaybird, but... That wouldn't be very pleasing, probably. But the truth is, he loves you regardless of what you wear, regardless of how you do your hair, whether you have hair or don't have hair. God loves you. He loves us. And so... He wants us to move, I believe, from our interaction with him from a rules-oriented, regulations-oriented, law-oriented relationship to relationship. Do you know him? Or do you know a list of rules that you follow? Do you know Jesus or you have, have, have you just ascribed yourself to the expectations of this house? If I had continued to live under the expectations of the church, I would still be doing this every week. I can do this. I'm doing it today because I was asked to and it's my assignment for today and I'm enjoying myself immensely. I always do. Whether you are or not is another story. (laughs) And I'm sorry. (laughs) But this isn't my assignment right now. It's Pastor Quentin's assignment. It's Jen's assignment. And he released me into the marketplace and he's assigned me for this season to one man. And you know that guy. They've been praying for him for years. When I got done with my brother, and many of you know that story, common sense would have said, just go talk to Jake and get a job with Jake. He needs guys that know what you know, it would have been like a no-brainer. I actually went to them when I was struggling with the decision. I was borrowing a tool or something. And Jake and Tanja and Carmel and I don't know, whoever was there, they just gathered around me in the middle of their office and they just laid hands on me and just began to pray over me that God would give me direction and favor it would have been like a no-brainer at that moment to say, I need a job. Because <laughs> I was boohoo in that day. 
was in the middle of that tension of, God, what do you want? What are you saying? What are you doing? What do you want me to do? I don't understand, and I'm under so much distress. But he didn't have that as the assignment for that moment. He had one guy that had this business that had made a lot of personal decisions and changes in his life because of the prayers of this woman and his wife. And God was working on him, is working on him. And I felt like God said, it was, it was like there was nobody else in the universe existed as an option for me to go to but that guy. I didn't even know him. All I had heard that he was hiring and I was getting ready to need a job. So I went and talked to him and I was hired that day. And only, and even then I didn't know what it was all about, but only now, almost a year later, he's my assignment. God loved that guy enough that he diverted all of my options to him. And not that I'm so special in, in the sense that I was the answer to his whatever, but God knew what I needed too. He knew that I needed to be able to translate my assignment into a kingdom assignment. And that's what he did for me. So daily, that assignment just keeps emerging as God's got something amazing for this guy. We don't know what it is yet. But I'm a part of that. Amen? And it's not... We came from the, the 4,000 place, remember? It's one person. It's one person. That's not our economy of things. That's not the progression of things for us as human beings right? That's going backwards for us. Wouldn't you think? Really, wouldn't you think? Going from celebration life, now anchor church, to covenant love, back to celebration life, now anchor, now to one. I went actually to the congregation of several including your brother, Wes, is one of my congregation at Rockport Granite. So I had several guys there. And now it's just one. But if I was living out the expectations of the natural progression of what we expect out of a man that's called into the ministry... I would not be living up to the expectations of the typical situation. But I'm probably more content at this moment, I am more content at this moment than I've ever been in my life. Why? Because I'm not living out the expectations of people. I'm doing the right thing before him.
And whatever your assignment is, when he gives it to you, it's the right thing. Even if it doesn't make a lot of sense. I was, remember this story about this little boy that was on the seashore or whatever, and he was, there was like thousands of these little starfish things that had washed onto the, onto the beach. And he was desperately running up and down the beach, just grabbing them and chucking them back into the water, one after the other, just chucking them into the water. And the adult comes along and says, you know, that's such a waste of time. You'll never get to all of them. They're, they're, there's just, you just, let's come on, let's go. And he looked at the one that he had in his hand and he chucked it into the water and he said, it made a difference to that one. Made a difference to that one. So I don't know where you are today with your journey. I don't know where you are with the value that you have, see yourself playing out, your assignment, whatever it may be. Maybe you see yourself tangled up in what does God expect out of me? But I know this, that God has placed you where he's placed you in this moment on purpose, for a purpose. And regardless of what it feels like, because over the last several times that I've preached, I have described in detail the emotional journey that I've been on this last four years. That season is gonna pass. The season that you're in is gonna pass going to pass, right? Past. We were walking through almost like a similar path for months, it seemed like. And now you're doing something amazing, something that your heart explodes with. But in that in-between time, what is God doing? He's showing us ourself. He's exposing stuff about ourselves that's not the right thing. He's exposing those spots where we're not very merciful. He's exposing things about our, us that are out of his plan. That whole time with Rockport Granite for me, it wasn't about Rockport Granite. It was about what God wanted to show me about myself. And he put enough pressure on me in an environment that I wasn't in control of so that I had to just sit there and squirm. And it was awful. Not the business, not the experience and the natural, but what God was doing me in me during that time. So take this away if you could. No matter how uncomfortable you are right now or how miserable you are in the process of what you're going through right now or how it feels like hell has descended upon your home and he's taking over, step back from the emotion of it and say, God, what are you saying? Not what you want, God. Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying, Lord? 
What are you up to? And what's the adventure that we're going on today? What are you up to, God? I, I, I still feel like I'm in a fire. But Lord, what's the fire about? I wouldn't be in a fire if there wasn't a, a reason for me being in this fire. I wouldn't be challenged to the very core of every emotional aspect of my life right now if there wasn't a reason. I had forgotten during that time that God would be up to something. And I got so asphyxiated on the problems that I was facing and what it was doing to me emotionally that I let it rob me of God's voice speaking to me in that time. We got it eventually. Probably took way longer than it needed to take. But we got it eventually and we started letting God do that work that needed to be done. And I had to die to some stuff. I had to die to some stuff. I had to say, I can't fix this. You're going to have to do this, God, because I can't fix this. I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know what the right thing is anymore. If you don't show me what the right thing is, I can't do it. And he did. He showed me. Eventually, he showed me. And he's going to show you. He's going to show you. All right, you guys. I guess I'll start preaching my message now that I have one minute left. <laughs> they have all kinds of stuff written down that I was supposed to share. And those of you that know me knew that was coming. So anyway, let me share some of the neat stuff that I had to share with you. These are a few statements that go along with all of the stuff that I've said so far. There comes a point in our journey with God that we shift from the question, what do you want, God, to what are you up to, God, and what are we going to be doing today? Not that anything has to change in my emotions or in my situation, but in the midst of the hardness, in the midst of the success, in the midst of all of it, Lord, what are you up to? I'm uncomfortable, but I know you're up to something. I'm having a little too much success for me right now. What are you up to? I don't know. It doesn't seem to be one that I say a whole lot, but hey, maybe that was a by faith one or whatever. Uh, what are you up to? What are you up to? And what's the adventure for today? Refuse to allow the enemy to twist your brain and your heart into a pretzel to where you can't say, God, I know you're up to something and I know your intention for me is good. So what's our adventure for today? I still feel like garbage. <laughs> My emotions are all shambles. But what are you up to, God? And what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? 
because something's going to happen today. Something's going to happen today. I did not get out of bed. I did not get out of that warm, wonderful bed in the freezing, cold, frigid Arctic of Maine in January for something amazing not to happen. So what is it? What are we going to do today? You understand that you're in a partner relationship with God, that he wants to partner with you in this earth to accomplish his will and to accomplish his purposes, not only for my life, but the people that I'm assigned to. And we can't waste a day thinking that God's not for us, he's against us. It's a an absolute waste of mental energy to think in those ways. He's not against me. He's never been against me. He never had harm intended for me. His intention was for me to become everything that he's destined me to be, for you to become everything that he's destined you to be. His purpose is, is to help you to emerge into the amazing creation that he started when you were formed in your mother's womb. And his intentions for you have not changed no matter how many bad decisions and how unmerciful and how un humble, how not humble you've been or whatever. I don't know. No matter how many times you've mixed it up and, and got it twisted and, and said the wrong things and got in an argument with people that you love, etc., etc. God's never stopped his plan wanting to be unfolded in your life. You're not so bad that he said, never mind, never mind. You are just the most obstinate individual that I've ever created. I'm just done. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. His mercy, that's why that sandwich is mercy. His mercy starts out brand new for you every single morning. So when I wake up, no matter how bad it was, bad, sound like a sheep. <laughs> Sounded like a sheep. <laughs> yeah, there it is. No matter how bad you got the day before, his, his mercy is going to be brand new. Starts all over again. No recollection or remembrance. When we ask for him to forgive us, he doesn't just backlog it all and say, I know you're going to mess up again and I'm bringing that log out. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. If you've asked him to, to forgive you, it's gone. When I look at my kids, it's such a change from when I was raising them at two or three years old, four, five, six, 13. It's all changed now. They're all bigger than I am. <laughs> Taller. Brilliant kids, I think. Smart, adventurous. We just had to let go of Austin again. He's on another little journey to do some more training in his media field. I took him to breakfast Friday morning. 
I got that one right. I took off work Friday and I took my son to breakfast. Um, ever. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I was sitting there in the restaurant and I, was, I started to tell him how, how I thought about him. And I started getting all choked up like I am right now. And uh, he was like, I stopped talking, so he starts talking for me. So I didn't start crying in the middle of the restaurant. I'm sure he didn't want me to cry in the middle of the restaurant. But my heart for my kids, you know, Mike and Shania are back there, you know, and they're getting ready to build a house this spring. And so we're, my kids are like kind of moving back home. It's a really good feeling. They want to be near us. Christy's back home, and Dustin. But they're not two anymore. And I don't feel the responsibility to tell them what to do. They're adults, and they're making, they're making their choices. And I kind of see God in that way where we're adults. And he's not forcing us by a list of rules to tell us what to do. It's not his heart. My kids know me because of the life that we've lived for the past 20 some years. They know my wife, they trust us to the measure that they trust us. They have confidence in us based on what they've known of us. And they're not living by a list of rules that I have for them in my house anymore. It's a different relationship. And what God wants from us, I believe, is for us He's, he's getting there in this scripture. And there's, there's the one in Luke 10 where it talks about, you know, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I think if it gets pared down one more, it forgets the neighbor as yourself because you're going to do that if you love him with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your soul. But our relationship with my my children now is not based on, a, on the rules of the house, which we depended on, you know, quite a lot to keep some semblance of order through those child-rearing years. But now it's, it's our relationship. And I'm honoring them as adults. We're honoring them as adults and we're listening to what they're desiring to do in their life. And we're not trying to steer them in a direction we're trusting God to, to speak to them and steer them and help them to develop into who he's destined them to be. And we're partnering with them now and with him. And it's an amazing adventure. And two years ago, when I was going through all of my stuff, I never would have dreamed that what's taking place right now is actually happening. But I do believe that because of going through that last, not two years, it was like five. <laughs> he's saying, okay, you've learned some things and I can, I can trust you with these kids now. I can trust you with their hearts. But you won't become some domineering, rule demanding father but you understand my mercy a little better now. You understand humility a little differently now. 
I think you're going to do the right thing. So let's go to this next part of our journey. So what is God up to? What does God want? God, what do you want from me in this season of my life? And I guarantee you that the answer to that question is very unique and it's very appropriate for where you are in your relationship with him. And I suspect that it's probably not going to be another list of rules for you to follow. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this adventure that we've been on today. I thank you this, for this adventure that we're on with you. I'm really thankful that we're not who the enemy says we are. And I'm really thankful that we are who you say we are. I'm really thankful for a worship team that could articulate that by the Spirit of God this morning. And they chose those songs to declare who you were, who you are, who you are to us, who you intend to be. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for each person, each son and daughter, your son and daughter, sons and daughters. I thank you for each one of them. And Lord, I know that they're all facing different stuff today, different challenges, different parts of their journey different layers of expectation and demand from the culture around us. But Lord, I ask that we could pull away from that demand. It's almost like when my son is editing and he, he cuts out all the noise from this source and that source and another source, and he only keeps what he wants to be heard. I ask you, Lord, to cut out the noise. Would you just cut out the noise, Lord? Cut out the voices that we don't need to hear. Cut out the expectations. Make it very clear, Lord, the, the things that we don't need to hear or be as fixated on. so that we can hear what you're up to. We can hear what you desire from us, Lord. And then we ask that you would give us the ability to love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. And we thank you for giving us the grace to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I ask, Lord, that as this congregation exits this building in a few moments, God, that they would go with increased confidence that you are helping them, every single one of them, every single one of us, you are helping us to become everything that you've destined us to be. 
And even the things that the enemy brings for our destruction, your word says that you'll even turn those things around and use them for good. So we just simply have the faith to believe that regardless of where the trouble or the challenge or the whatever is coming from, it really doesn't matter what the source, you are the solution. And you are defining our next step as we allow you to define it. And so thank you, Lord, for answering that question on a very individual basis for everyone that leaves this room today. And I thank you, Father, that there will be clarity and rejoicing through this next week as some who haven't heard your voice because of the calamity for quite some time, they'll hear your voice again. For some that haven't wept in your presence because they've steeled themselves away from their emotions. I ask, Lord, that in the stillness of a moment, maybe not even a voice, but just your presence would touch them in such a way that it's absolutely unmistakable. And I ask for tears, Lord, again. Tears that roll down their face, Father. Acknowledging and recognizing that you haven't forgotten them and that you never will. Father, I ask for those that are sick among us, God, that you would raise them up to bring healing to their bodies, strength to their, to their mind and their soul as well. I thank you, Lord, for helping us to recognize your plan and being released into it this week. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.